everyone. Thank you for tuning in. GK Tech Group, the Future of Work event. This year, is unfortunately, is being done virtually, but it is nonetheless very timely, very momentous. Uh, Ayala and I will um, uh, invite Kyle uh, Jackson and Emerson Tamer again to help us make sense really of what's going on um, and, uh, and really talk about where the world is going. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce Kyle. He's the CEO of a company called Tailspin. They're at the forefront of um, really upskilling and training using uh, new technologies such as VR, AI, and XR. Hey, Kyle. Hey, hey. How's it going? How are you, man? Good, good. Thank you for coming on. So many questions. So many questions. Yeah. Hey, I want to I wanna also introduce Emerson Tamer, uh, who's the CEO of Philosophy, also at the forefront of digital transformation, although more software-based. Hey, Emerson. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Thank you for coming on, coming on, man. My pleasure. Hey, why don't you uh, again? Thank you for uh, attending GK Tech Group. I know everyone is busy. Um, I'd like to for you for you both to introduce yourselves for for a minute or two. Amazing videos there. Um, and maybe tell us a bit about the with the firms. What are you guys doing exactly? Kyle. Yeah, sure. Trying to go first. So. Um, so, see, so we started Tailspin in 2015. Um, you know, the focus of the company was to look for um, kind of an offset to the, to the massive amount of digital transformation that was going to be coming um, from a standpoint of our role in the workplace uh, as humans. Like, what does that look like as we go forward and as we see um, more impactful uses of algorithms, robotics, um, uh, and just and just the changing um, uh, demands of the workforce itself. So. Um, back then, it was a very you know loose hypothesis um, around um, you know XR, the category of VR and AR and, and AI kind of coming together to potentially be a, a new uh, a new platform for that. Um, and it was a lot of early days of 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 sounding like a crazy person in a boardroom with you know executives from some of the largest companies in our in, a, in the U.S. here and. And then uh, uh, we don't look so crazy anymore. So uh, now uh, it is is become a, a different a different reality for us. Uh, it's been good, good good run. Five years in. Wow. Emerson. Yeah, awesome. Excited to be here. So philosophy. We call ourselves a digital product studio, but really that just means we're a team of designers and engineers, uh, based you know in LA and New York mostly. Obviously, all over right now. It's funny to see that video where you know a lot of our work historically was in our offices, and and now that's kind of you know taking place <laughs> remotely. So I'm sure we'll have a good a good chat about that. Uh, but we work with companies of all sizes and all industries, kind of take their big digital ideas and bring them to life very quickly. Uh, we do that through rapid experimentation. So we take these big ideas, break them into smaller chunks, uh, test, build something, test it with real users, get feedback, and continue to iterate on it. Uh, and so we're really focused on how do we ship kind of business outcomes through these tools as quickly as possible. Uh, started in 2008, uh, just sold it at the end of last year uh, to a larger global offshore team based in India, still on working, having fun uh, with that. And, and some of the, you know, it gives us a lot more uh, power in terms of the enterprise development that we do. So it, we do a lot of work in digital transformation, obviously, and actually making stuff happen. So I'm really excited for this uh, conversation. So okay, so thank you, Emerson. Um, I think maybe digital transformation is probably the two words that are more uh, famous than COVID, or at least as as famous as COVID the last six months or so. Um, Alan, can you put that this graphic on? Uh, so who who led your digital transformation of the company? Is it the CEO? Is it CIO? Is it COVID? Right? Super funny, but it's it's a buzzword. It's the hottest thing in in business right now. Um, I'd love to start there. I'd love to start to see what are companies doing, how are you guys helping them with their projects, what, 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 how fast is it happening? Uh, maybe start with you, Emerson. Sure, yeah. I think uh, Satya Nadella, in an early earnings call for Microsoft, summed it up really well at the beginning. He said, you know, we've seen, uh, I think, two years of digital transformation in the last two months. You know, maybe it's even faster than that. And I think if you look right now and you know we're on an investing group here you know the s p 500 you know the top five all you know 
kind of drivers of that all tech and, and the other two, you know, 495 are, are all slacking or are all down kind of quite a bit. So it's, it's really interesting to see kind of that play out in the market. So then I think you start to see that kind of trickle through, you know, with us working with lots of different clients. I think when we first started, when the COVID first happened, there were, you know, we were very early. We were very, you know, we can actually, for our work, and I'm sure Kyle's similar, very comfortable working remotely. It's not the end of the world for us. Our team is used to it. Uh, we actually went to the work from home at well, well ahead of any of the government stuff, which seemed to be the, the, the trend in tech. But, you know, we saw with our bigger clients, in particular the enterprises, the first month probably was really just, yeah. how do people get get this? How do we handle work remotely? How do we, you know, do we have laptops? Do we have the stuff for vision to be able to work remotely? Can people work remotely? Um, you know, kids, I mean, a lot of that stuff is still TBD. And so now yeah. I think it is pushing. I think there's been a lot of surveys of, of companies knowing they need to go maybe more self-service in how they do things. So maybe you're going to go to the bank less frequently. So you have to think about how do we do more of this stuff online? So I think self-service tools are a big area of the digital transformation that we look at. And I think companies across the border are starting to get serious about how does this go? Uh, and we can dive in more deeper. But I mean, the, the reality is the first step of any of this journey is, is getting comfortable. There's a ton of stuff that just has to happen from an infrastructure perspective. Um, so yeah. I think that's why you see Microsoft, Amazon having these, Google having these blowout results in terms of their cloud uh, stuff, you know, before they really will get to a company like Philosophy to actually engage on anything uh, around that. Kyle? Yeah, yeah. I, um... So I think for us, it's very interesting because we raised a, you know, we raised a series B late last year. Right. And um, and that was based on one playbook and one uh, go to market strategy that was around, um, you know, basically trying to figure out how to accelerate digital transformation and get people access to the types of things that we were building in XR because it was still viewed kind of interesting and bleeding edge and not something that was like, you know, critical infrastructure, like a lot of those products that, that the Emerson's been building and, and the, you know, these tech giants have have uh, been you know benefiting from in this current cycle, um, and so we were we were figuring out like how do we reduce friction to expose them to this next wave? And a lot of the conversations were often very fraught with um, you know with objection handling, right? Like yeah, but or yeah, I don't you know that's that seems like that's three years away or whatever. Um, and in March, that just completely you know started to change, right? We started having. Um, I had a lot of return calls from executives that I had talked to earlier last year or even in the years past where all of a sudden they were like, how do we, you know, how do we, how do we get an actual robust XR roadmap behind our business so that we can protect for kind of the business fault lines that we're now seeing. Um, we also saw the same thing Emerson saw, which is we saw April was a wash to people trying to figure out which way was up. Um, early May, people got to the place where they were like, okay, now um, the new reality is, is starting to set in and we better just start getting to work, and which was hard, right? Because work had all these other aspects to it that we started to talk about. Um, but really what they started reaching out to us for was, you know, okay, we got to look beyond this 2021 and beyond. What's the new standards? What's our new operating base? Um, what is this technology and how does it play in it? Um, we also started to see conversations at the major technology companies um, get really, really serious around XR. Um, they, you know, they have been gaining the momentum for years. And if you if you follow the space, I mean, you know, there's there's huge amounts of investment that have gone into the, into the tech, um, but it hasn't really hasn't really been part of. I would I would consider, um, you know, outside of maybe um, Facebook and Oculus, hasn't been part of anybody's core strategy. Um, and now we're seeing that more broadly across the board amongst a number of these, you know, a number of the top tech companies. So, so I think um, congrats. It's, it's been a, you know, it's it's the it's a kind of a, a a light switch, right? It's on, and it was it was warming up, and then afterwards it's on. First of all, how timely for you both to have either exits or raise money before this mayhem? Congrats yeah. on that. Uh, but how before? So, so, so great. What I'm hearing is everyone is serious about digital transformation now, right? How is how is COVID impacting your businesses? Like how are you guys adapted? Obviously, everyone has to work from home and so forth. I'd love to hear because you guys are both collaborative. You, you have teams all over the place. You you work on on some many projects at the same time. How are you guys dealing with it? 
I mean, we're, we're a global business, you know, uh, as well, right? So we have offices in, in the Netherlands and team members across the U.S. and, and uh, in Asia. And so, you know, remote tools are, are baked into the company now for five years. So, so um, it was, I, I think it took us about literally two days to move between the way we're working and, you know, being back up and, we haven't seen um, a massive productivity change since then. So, um, in fact, we've seen a lot of positive, uh, uh, you know, ramifications uh, based on, you know, what we've seen um, with uh, with everybody going remotely. Um, and so, overall, for us, it hasn't been a huge impact. Emerson. Yeah, I think it's been you know interesting for sure. We we were actually because we do a lot of work cross office. We were looking at going more remote as an organization. You know, for us as a business, our number one cost is is people, and that was kind of alluded to in that intro video. That that's really our team and what makes the products. And then the other thing is our two offices, and so they are beautiful offices. But in our world, where we're doing more work locally, <laughs> we're doing more work. Uh, across different cities, you know, across the U.S. and doing more work across our two offices, um, you know, that that expense is, uh, is a pretty big hit of overhead. That you know, for us, looking at how we can improve our EBITDA really would would drive towards that. And the other thing is, and, and Kyle alluded to it, you know, I think when we look at our talent base, you know, how we can get talent across, you know, at least the yeah. U.S. Uh, is really important. You know, I think in our cities, L.A. and New York. Uh, we're competing with the tech giants and, and right, you know, before, co I mean, this has changed a little bit, but before COVID, you know, the job market was really challenging. And, you know, for us, you know, we're a consulting business, so we do great, you know, we do great work, but, you know, our margins are what we can ultimately, you know, mark up on people with our overall team and whatnot. Um, and so we can't, but we, at the same time, we can only charge so much. So we can never compete with salaries with an Apple or a Facebook or a Google. Uh, compete in many other ways in terms of culture and and benefits and the type of work they do but but so i think that sort of thing is something we were we were looking at um and so from that sense you know i think there's some benefits to us long term i think in terms of the challenging aspects obviously you know when an economy gets uh wrecked uh in a short run it, it hurts the consulting business uh you know we're seeing a, a nice rebound now but you know the first couple of months were a little slower than we'd normally have in, in the end of q1 and q2 and then i think the other thing um is that now we're kind of getting this point it's not around work from remotely but it's you know people don't have an outlet you know so i think and yeah. i know this is across not just us yeah. but you know we yeah. have team members who would normally take pto they would go traveling but they don't want to go. Uh, they don't want to travel because of um, you know there's nowhere to go. Uh, so they don't take time off, and and that you know increases burnout. You don't have your typical outlet of you know as easily going out to drinks with friends, um, blowing off steam, going to the movies, you know, playing sports, team sports. So I think there's that aspect uh, is is taking a hit on people's psych, and so we're trying to do lots of things to to help improve that. But it's it's a struggle just with everything going on in the world. So, so two questions that, that I have for you, Emerson and, and Kyle, also to touch on what you were talking about. One is work from home, and you guys mentioned that it's you know it's effective, it's you know it's streamlined now. So, but you know I've read I've read several articles recently about kind of work from home fatigue um, and productivity starting to decline, and and I imagine part of it is what you just said, Emerson, which is people also don't have anything else to outlet, and then the second thing is exactly what you talked about about your office space right like how is this going to affect real estate on a commercial level especially um you know obviously at some point COVID's going to be gone you know hopefully um how is the digital how is the office space going to transform is it going to be newer with with bigger spaces so that collaboration can't happen but you know we'll all still have these scars from you know, wanting to be too close to other people. Yeah, I mean, just to hop in quick, I think there's, I mean, a few parts of that, and a few pieces, but the first answer I would give is, I do, like, one of the benefits, I think, is that with work remotely, there was a stigma at some level, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of studies that you, people can work remotely very efficiently, but there was a bit, a large old guard, I would say, that of people that, you know, really were, were anti-work remote. And, and I'm not, and, and I, and I think, and, and the real reason they were anti is, oh, people are just going to, you know, 
jerk around at home, watch TV or, or what have you. And I think, you know, that has to some extent been that, that kind of, you know, assumption has been proven incorrect, you know, by and large. So I think that is beneficial. And I do think that opens up the possibility of a more global workforce for people or more at least US-based workforce for teams. And so I do think that will have a fundamental shift towards commercial real estate. Now, I'm not in the, in the oh, doomsday of cities camp. I know there's a lot of people are like, oh, commercial real estate is forever. No one's gonna go to the office. I mean, for one, if you have small kids, you know, you, you know, of course it's harder now with no schools, but like you need a place to go so the kids aren't running around. I think, you know, people want that. There's plenty of people who like to go to the office. I think there is that collaboration that happens just talking to people in hallways, that social aspect. I, I personally really miss that. I don't have a good office set up. We were talking earlier about it. So that's impacting my back and my health. And so I think there, there's the balancing act of it. And I think what we might see, you know, as well as maybe it's smaller office spaces, it's like a two days in, three days out. I think companies will it will be kind of a you know every company will be a little bit different and, and there will be there will be a push towards a portion of the team being remote at least uh, which is which is good um, I think in, in the long run for businesses will probably benefit and commercial real estate needed to come down a little bit especially in the major cities it was just way too high from a price perspective it was impacting margins too much so I think that's good in terms of the other aspect. I mean, yeah, I think people are just trying to figure this out. It was kind of, it's a good thing we ripped off the band today with remote work, but we also had all the challenges of you're in Zoom calls all day long. Like there's video fatigue. You don't have another outlet. There is just, you now everyone's at home. I don't know, maybe people are freaked out because there's such a high unemployment rate. So they're just working around the clock. You know, you don't have <laughs> the end of going to and from the office. So I think yeah. a lot of people are just trying to figure it out. Yeah, I, I also think it's it's cramming in, um, you know, years of work into months, right? I mean, because because everybody has to, everybody's kind of going, okay, well, even all the things that Emerson just just listed out, right? Like those are all things that somebody has to make a tactical plan to execute, and that tactical plan is somewhere between sixty days from now and early next year, and those timelines are either one of them is super aggressive to deal deal with all that, right, from a business perspective, so. Your operations teams are, are are stressed because of that. Your product teams are looking at having to release products, you know, at a cadence that's that's you know as at, on a much faster clip than than they're probably uh, prepared to do. And then inside of the customers we talk to, you know, th they're dealing with that at at you know at a at a hundred thousand person scale, right? And so just the communication and the coordination and all the other things that go into um, times of uncertainty are it is a huge. Um, cognitive load, right? And workload as well. And so I think that that I think that's the part that's probably had the most fatigue um, on the people that we talk to uh, or added to their fatigue. Um, in terms of like, you know, commercial real estate and, and what we're seeing there, you know, we're in a lot of those conversations, right? So I was inside of um, a lot of the, uh, you know, you know, big tech conversations before they had decided to push um, remote. And so I knew that that was coming, you know, three, four um, weeks ahead of time. And um, and we've had a lot of talks around what's the impact of that long term. Um, what does their actual physical footprint look like? You know, on the backside of that, and and we, you know, are you know, in terms of XR, is viewed as one of the things that actually could play an element in that, right? Where um, you know, smaller physical footprint for different types of purpose with a larger XR footprint to basically plug some of those gaps between you know physical connection that we have now with with Zoom. Um, and you know, with that, you get a new hybrid kind of hybrid model, um, which probably opens a lot of the migration opportunities that people are, are you know, some people are really excited talking about. Other people are really, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, like Emerson, you know, supportive of their city that they live in and the culture that they're a part of. And so, um, you know, I think it's gonna it's gonna be yet to be seen, but it's definitely not gonna be what it is. And I agree with Emerson that it, it's a bit of a um, a welcome reconciliation of some of the costs of, of running, you know, businesses like ours. Um, and I think it only end up being healthy, healthy long-term, you know, we'll, we'll build stronger businesses as a result. So, I mean, I, thank you for saying that. I obviously with, with real estate, we, we, we work with a lot of real people in commercial real estate and it's, it's, it's grim, you know, 30, 40% of people are not paying rent, trying to renegotiate. In my firm, in our firm, what we found beneficial is kind of a, 
hybrid model where some of us are in the office, some are not. We still have our base camp. We're still always going to be there because it is the ability to, to really kind of connect and so forth. Uh, I'm coming to you from Big Bear right now. It's amazing yeah. to be outside. Uh, but, you know, I, I, it's, I'm not as, as, as effective as when I am in the office, that's for sure. Yeah. But talk, talk a little bit about some of the digital tools that you're building, Kyle and Emerson, because now we're losing some of that human contact. Like how, how can that bridge it? Like what, I know Kyle, I've, I've seen some of the stuff that you guys built. Can you explain how that really is going to be part of the solution? Yeah, yeah. So, so for people that aren't familiar with kind of, you know, VR or, or mixed reality, um, you know, you wear a head-worn device like a pair of glasses and, um, and through that, you know, it, it changes my view, right? So in VR, it's, it's fully encapsulating. You, you enter a virtual environment, you leave your physical space. And in mixed reality, you know, you layer new digital elements on top of that world. And so uh, I think mixed reality is, is really, um, you know, where this is all heading over time, right? Because uh, there's a lot of just, just logical reasons for that in terms of people needing to be able to move around their physical space and, and kind of carry on with their day where VR becomes more closed off and it's more of a focused interaction. So. Um, so right now, today, you can put on a mixed reality headset and Emerson could show up here as a hologram looking like Emerson. And when, it, when his hologram, when Emerson speaks, his hologram animates and it's as if they're in the room with me. Yeah, yeah. your hair would not translate well to today's hour. We'll, we'll, we'll fix that. Give us a minute. Uh, uh, no, so, so in that interaction, I can see, you know, some of the body language, some of that stuff. And then and it feels a lot more like those design sessions that um, Emerson's team holds regularly and, and other people benefit from when you're in office. So it's pretty cool. Like once you actually have that experience uh, a few times, um, you know, you start to think about these lines that we're drawing even on this call yet differently again, right? Because now I got to go, well, wait a second. I need even a more important reason to be in office, you know, so that's, so the logistical concerns of family and, and some of the other things are, are real concerns, real practical concerns. And so I hear most of the tech companies talking about how do we solve those? Because people uh, in our, in our general um, inside sphere, right? The, the platforms we're working with, uh, and the companies that were helped to invent this whole thing with, um, they already know that we're going to be able to build richer um, virtual collaborations and or as rich virtual collaborations as we have when we're physically present. So now it becomes about these other problems. It's like what what are the, what how do we start to work on um, systems to support people uh, in these flexible working arrangements going forward? You know. Um, where they are, you know, maybe in Big Bear for a quarter of the year, and and you know, school looks different, and all these other factors. So, we've moved. For me, we've moved into that part of the conversation a lot, where we're trying to figure out what are these new social structures, uh, and what do those look like, which is which is super interesting. It, it comes back to commercial real estate. I mean, literally, like, what do you use some of these spaces for? You know, um, I'm in uh, several conversations with universities and uh, large retail uh, owners, right, where they're looking at their campuses, um, both a retail campus or a, a physical campus, and they're saying, this is this also is going to be different. How are we going to use this space? Yeah. And yeah. so, I'm actually, so sorry, go ahead. No, I just saying, it's a, it's, I think everybody's in the middle of redefining all that, all, you know, all at once, which is which is crazy because it's, it's obviously a lot of things to redefine at one time. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, as I was rewatching our videos from last year, which again makes me sad that we can't have events anymore. Um, Emerson, you specifically talked about leveling people up. This is something that was like a recurring theme um, when we talked about last year. So, number one, how are we leveling up people faster now? Because right now it's digital or bust. Like, we've, we've seen basically a tale of two cities, right? If you're digital, you're thriving. If you're not digital, you're dying. Um, so how do we level people up as fast as possible and then two, to your point, Kyle, also the education system, right? So I just looked, it cost $300,000 to send your kid to USC for the next 40 years. And now they're on Zoom. And I just did an online certification. Kyle went to USC, dude, be careful. I <laughs> <laughs> other than I went to UCLA for half <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but my question is like, I got an online certification for six grand right? What is, how is this space going to transform $300,000 to 
to basically watch a video every day seems a little bit absurd. Yeah. Well, I think the whole, edu I mean, the education thing is probably a whole conversation and, and panel in its own right. It's a tough one for sure. I think it's a good, I mean, I think with the upskilling, right, it's a, it's a big one. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things that this pandemic have kind of accelerated. You know, we could call it the great accelerator in many ways. And, and one of those things is also, you know, we were talking about what's the potential for job loss 10, 20 years ago or 10, 20 years down the line due to AI and automation. And guess what? We just had way more job loss and way shorter amount of time than we ever could have predicted in, in the beginning of, of this year, you know, breaking all sorts of records and certainly a much faster uh, wipeout of jobs than AI or automation would ever hit. I mean, that might be, a, that might have a real impact, but it's, but it didn't, it would never happen as fast. So I do think, you know, where we were standing a, a year ago, it is a little sad in many ways because it it just shows how much we need to be emphasizing leveling people up and, and really the government needs to be putting a lot of emphasis and dollars behind it. And I do think that the digital aspect is is one aspect. I think in terms of you know specifics, I think I just saw something yesterday that Google put out a uh, has like a certification for programming skills and their plan it's about three hundred dollars or six hundred dollars. And they're planning to treat someone who takes that uh, with the same uh, credit as if they went to a four-year university and majored in, in computer science. So, you know, I do think there's other benefits to the you know university system and, and whatnot and, and different and you know, which I, again another whole conversation. But I do think that sort of stuff that Google is doing is really interesting. I do think one of the other benefits of this pandemic is people are learning a lot more. It seems like. I know a lot of people, whether they are out of jobs or in jobs, they have more time because they're not commuting. So they're taking online classes. I did a quantum computing class at the beginning of this. I've been taking a lot of master class, you know, videos. It's a little bit different than like a class, but it is a good time to learn and reset. So hopefully that continues. But I, I think that we do need to have a much more structured plan around leveling people up because there are some jobs that are likely to shift forever with the digital kind of revolution. Kyle, I know you, yeah. you've, done, you've done a lot of work and, and I mean, this is literally your business model. But yeah. maybe talk a little bit about some of the work you guys have done as far as upskilling and, and, and leveling people up. Well, I think, I think there's some really interesting things going on, right? So, so when, uh, when I started my career, you know, um, the XPRIZE had just launched, right? And that was to send private citizens into space, right? <laughs> and uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, the new XPRIZE was launched around this topic. So they're now putting this as level of importance as sending somebody to Mars, right? Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty existential crisis at this point, you know, based on some of what's happening. And so, um, you know, you like you know, kind of like the the halfway mark between last year and this year for this event, right? You know, the World Economic Forum uh, held its its conference at the top of the year, and it was talking around roughly a billion people would be affected by some of these technology changes over the next decade. And they, that, that was all a reskilling need, right? And so they said, okay, we've got some time, but it's a billion people. We really got to get to work. And governments were really leaning in. Singapore and UAE have 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 been really leading the way, and and even the U.S. government has some really interesting initiatives going um, that aren't really getting the light that they probably uh, should. Um, and now um, they issued a statement last week that they think that number is about 305 million as of the end of this year. Um, wow. COVID. Mm -hmm. So you're talking, you're talking about 30%, you know, 30% of that eventual group inside of the first 12 months. And so, you know, globally, that's a crisis that we haven't even begun to start to think about. And um, it's not all digital skills, right? So that's the other issue we've got, which is that um, a lot of work, I mean, uh, the, the lion's share of work is not people doing digital skills or using digital skills. So, um, so those those jobs are are the ones that we have to figure out how to move people quickly into, um, and how we have to figure out how to you know kind of more evenly distribute that opportunity. And so um, you know again, XR is 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 you know basically the nature of it, right? It, it's a tool to to fix that. And so um, you know kind of on our end, the pressure's on, right? Like like this has got you know the the, the time to be a major contributor to this as a solution is. Has accelerated by years, and um, and just generally, you know, I think the ecosystem needed a few more years to evolve, um, yeah. you know, to really be in the right position to be able to 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 properly respond. 
And so we got this juxtaposition of timelines now that is going to be pretty pretty tough to uh, to reconcile. And uh, unfortunately, there's just a lot of people that, that that could potentially affect. So we're really, you know, we're trying to figure out how to, um, you know, how, what can we do to accelerate all those timelines and what can we do to bring together some of these other partners, um, both at the government level and even the commercial real estate level, the university level, to basically start to build consortiums around this, you know, to move quick. Um, and so that's really been the lion's share of my days since, since you know, early uh, April is um, is trying to figure out who those players are that are actually willing to stand up and do something, right? And actually put, you know, kind of put their money where their mouth is around this problem because it's easy to talk about the problem, but I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big one to lean into and really start to, you know, to move. Um, and so hopefully we'll see some of those calls to actions really start to bear fruit here this fall. But right now I'd say it's still kind of in the formation stages. Um, I, I, and I talked about how, you know, during periods of pandemics or major crises, that's when major, major innovation happens. And I think this is kind of what we talked about. Is this, is this really a time of reckoning? Is this a time we're going to stand up and, and make some, like, you know, our, our education system needs to be, needs to evolve. You know, a lot of our infrastructure needs to evolve. Is yeah. this, is this the time that you guys will see this happen? So to add, to add to that, for those of you who have been on previous uh, webinars that I've done, you'll know that I'm a, a little bit of a history nerd also. Um, and so I went back and I listened to a ton of podcasts and webinars and all this stuff about the history of pandemics. Um, and basically what has happened throughout history is, you know, whether it was the, the Spanish flu or the Black Death, the any bubonic plague over time, obviously it's a horrific experience during the time that it's happening, just like it is right now. Um, but what follows is generally a period of renaissance, essentially, where, where not just technology, but institutions as a whole, government, healthcare, whatever that be, um, learn to become better and ultimately serve society better. Is that what you guys are kind of thinking is going to happen? Kind of, like, kind of betting on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> How long do we, do we see this timeline? As the Shopify CEO told us that they pulled 10 years of, of growth into one quarter. <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, I think the really unfortunate thing is, is we've got such a divisive conversation going on at the time where that should be the conversation, right? Like, right. like we, it was massive, massive opportunity and there are real players with real money that look to really improve you know, some of the infrastructure of our society. And they're all sitting at the table. Right. And they're all like, let's do this. Um, meanwhile, you know, we have, you know, kind of a botched response here in the U.S. That's certainly uh, to COVID that's certainly impacting our ability to get those deals done, getting and getting and getting people focused. Um, you know, globally, I, I see a very, very different response. I mean, we have um, a, a deal in China that that is that is coming together that when when you wrap your head around the implications of it. I mean, it's it's the kind of dream that, that you know, we should be putting forth here in the U.S. And it's, it's you know, I, I don't even see players talking in the same language, you know, like, like you know, around the same topic here. Like, we're literally not, we're both figuratively <laughs> and literally speaking two different languages, right? Um, and uh, that's super unfortunate because I think it is that time, right? It is, it is I mean, we even saw, um, uh, you know, take a pandemic side, you know, the financial crisis, there's also equal opportunity that comes out of those, right? Um, yep. the, last, the last time, um, you know, 2008, I mean, you know, the number of companies that we all look in our daily brands today that, it were, that were born in that time is, is really pretty mind-boggling. So I think, you know, from an innovator standpoint, it's, it's, it's an amazing time. I just wish we could be talking um, more about that conversation than, than I think uh, people are. Uh, at, at the public level, right? I mean, behind the closed doors and, you know, the meetings that we get to be a part of, you know, it's happening. But I think it takes consensus and it takes, you know, broader citizen, um, you know, in, engagement to, to make those things really happen at the speed we need to make them happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, just to build on that, I think I hope so, right? I, I mean, obviously, in the moment of crisis, it's always harder to actually get any of that stuff done. But I think if you do look at the acceleration of remote work, I think that overall has a net positive on, on society and, and business. And I think that opens up a lot of possibilities for new tools and new things in terms of how does that go. 
I think if you look at the acceleration of telehealth, I know there was a question coming in around the future or like clinical psychologists, but telehealth, I mean, the government has done a decent job of, you know, rapidly approving some of the telehealth stuff. And I hope that continues to accelerate because there's a huge opportunity to kind of, you know, there's a lot of things you just don't need to go to, into the doctor's office for that you end up wasting hours of the day waiting in the waiting room. So hopefully that acceleration is a benefit that opens up a lot of, you know, GDP growth. I mean, I think digital transformation at large, like that acceleration, again, probably opens up a lot of benefit and, and kind of GDP growth. Um, so I hope that's there. And then I think you look at things like, you know, beyond just telehealth, like within healthcare, like this pandemic, you know, I think it kind of does, uns it kind of just further exposes how bad the healthcare system in the US is and how much money <laughs> we pay for it. And that is a, yep. a, be a great thing to kind of rip the, you know, rip the, you know, bandaid off. And then lastly, I think, you know, it's this one, you know, not to get too political on this, but, you know, I think Andrew Yang was talking, you know, really pushing the whole UBI, you know, universal basic income thing. Uh, we're seeing the start of that really with the expanded unemployment. And I know that's, you know, held up right now in a big political debate. But if you're looking at some of the studies out of how that, you know, $600 uh, unemployment is, it actually benefits a lot. And I think long term, if you think of UBI and how does that actually let entrepreneurs flourish as well as, you know, better healthcare here, because I think in the US, one thing that really holds back entrepreneurs is the healthcare. You see a lot of entrepreneurs won't start something, they stick around their job for the healthcare, and then they don't have that base. So that kind of uh, having that kind of social layer, you know, could actually have, while still having, you know, huge capitalism, could actually have huge gains for, for society. So I'm pretty bullish on some pretty big changes happening, both at the private level and also at the public level, kind of like Kyle was saying. Uh, I may ha I may want to ha want you to come back talk talk a little bit more about that stuff because I totally agree with you. Uh, those two things would make a huge change, but um, I can't I can't have you guys here and not ask you what yeah. advice do you give to entrepreneurs? Right? It's a you know a lot of people's business models have completely shifted or are dead. Like what? Obviously, you, you both are in, in, in fledging industries and done well and obviously raised money too. Uh, at a opportune time, what do you? What's your advice now to to people that are going through this? Um, so what I'm seeing is 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 you know this complete disruption of of distribution um, in a lot of sectors, right? So if you think of uh, how much of of um, the world depends on people being in person to deliver their services, and the fact that that is now got uh, this big roadblock in the middle. Um, is exposing a huge uh, a huge number of legacy businesses um, that opens the door for entrepreneurs to come up with solutions. And so, I mean, if I was just you know had had free time, I, I would literally sit down and make a list of every business that that falls into that characteristic and think about how can I, at a local level, at a at a at a regional level, at a national level, potentially do something to to help with that stream. And and there's going to be really good solid you know. You know, relatively um, uh, uh, large businesses, even at the, that local level. Um, you know, uh, so it doesn't have to all be a, um, a massive uh, software platform that is globally uh, relevant, right? I think there's um, there's a lot of these services that can be disrupted at the local level um, with just a little bit of, uh, of technology and and um, and, and a, you know, kind of you know, somebody that's more nimble um, that honestly has. I, you know the background of Emerson's you know team um, to come in and, and, and rapidly solve some of those problems. So to, to me, it, it's just it's just a blue ocean of that kind of opportunity right now, um, and it's never been cheaper to build some of those tools. And unfortunately, the people that are running those businesses um, have had a long time to do that and have not been successful. So it opens the door, you know, for yeah. business like Emerson's to be extremely successful and for entrepreneurs to put the team together and and you know solve a problem um, and uh, and and people have never had you know a shorter window to say yes so uh, one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur is, is you can you can you can believe that everything is going to work for a really long time um, based on, on <laughs> you know kind of the the, the prolonged no um, yeah. so it's actually good it's actually good to have some timelines and some deadlines you know and so um, this this climate puts those some of those bounds in place, which I think from an entrepreneur is a really welcome thing. It's stressful, 
and you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you know you gotta execute but um but if you can i mean the, the door is wide open for you to, to step into some really substantial um lanes of distribution on existing services and products and you know um, and businesses yeah i mean i think yeah kyle nailed it the door is open these companies are struggling it's going to take an enterprise a legacy organization a while to figure out this whole digital thing and just working remote thing and then i think you know my, i mean I, my advice would be similar i think last year anytime you know really it's just now it kind of exacerbates this you know take risks stay lean you know don't you know be very strategic and just get your product to market as in front of users or end customers as quickly as possible you know to kyle's point the door is open for a window show them something you know it doesn't have to be perfect but don't you know just build and build and build and waste all this money like get out just get out of the building and, and talk with people and solve a real need and then you know you'll be successful from there i also think the stigma of having to be in one of the major cities to be a, a substantial or a legitimate uh you know technology player or or startup is 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 going to get beat deep i mean it's irrelevant for the next you know you know year so as an entrepreneur i would play that into my advantage you know at, at you know at every turn right reduce your costs assemble a remote team you know build aggressively and and we'll see a whole bunch of interesting things emerge on that next uh, you know, on the back side of the next 12 months that probably played that playbook that's great um take, you want to take a couple of questions i have and then uh we'll take a few, i'll wait for a few more to come in if you guys want to send some more in um i, I kind of anecdotally just want to ask you guys uh you know on a on a, on a lighter note you know <laughs> <laughs> what, what are some of the things that you guys actually be like? If, if the shutdown stops tomorrow, what's the first thing you're going to do? <laughs> well, if, I, if my passport is worth more than uh, more than a you know a piece of trash, <laughs> which it is right now, then I'm probably you know get on a plane and go to another country and uh, and explore and, and see people. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I uh, I had I also had our first daughter in the middle of all this, so that that's been an extra layer of interest. So I, I would probably just like to get her outside of this house and uh, <laughs> introduce her to the world I, before she thinks that, that she lives in biodome. And uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I have to deal with those psychological issues thirteen years from now. So uh, I, you know, <laughs> it's almost anything, right, along those lines in that in that lane. So yeah. you know, we talked about this guy. I mean, hopefully this will be a you know, when she's 10 or 15 years old, you can tell her, hey, remember 2020? That's when you were born, you know? You don't so, know. You were lucky you were a baby. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully she knows yeah. no different, right? And she just, all of the stuff we're talking about right now, it just becomes what she knows to be the reality in the future. Yeah. We don't even compare it to the before. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take that question about, uh, there's someone talking about opinion of future jobs related to food. Yeah, or local sourcing, local farmers. Like, what do you think the future of those jobs are? Yeah, I can pop in. I mean, I think there's some really exciting stuff from uh, that's happening in kind of agri the agri-tech space. Um, you know, we did a project actually kind of with a rope, uh, building an autonomous vehicle that fought, like replaced one of the picker jobs, but it was really the most dangerous one, uh, the heavy weight, so a lot of liability there. Uh, Agritech in general, I think, you know, you know, local farming, city farming, there's some really in interesting technology that's coming out there and, you know, would benefit uh, cities in particular. And I think also, you know, one other thing of this pandemic, you know, this is for better or for worse, but we're definitely seeing kind of a, a shift from the hyper globalization to a little more, you know, national view. Again, that comes with its own set of challenges, but I do think there's probably some benefits there to, to local farmers and and I think also if you just look at the trends of sustainability and, and you know, as the younger generations come up, millennials, Gen Z, they care about the, the state, you know, climate change is what the most important issue for them probably. And so that stuff, local farming becomes a lot more uh, important to them, you know, because, you know, the major farms are one of the big, uh, you know, producers of, of kind of greenhouse gas emissions and, you know, and that. And there's also some pretty interesting technology, you know, like Cousins Investing, uh, in, a, in a company that kind of, you know, helps uh, cows produce less methane uh, by significantly. And there's some companies in that space by kind of adding stuff to the feed. Uh, so I think there's a lot of, of interesting kind of things happening from both a science perspective um, and then also a, a tech perspective. And then lastly, on oh, I because I did this quantum computing course, uh, apparently like one of the big aspects of quantum computing, it's still a ways off from, from um, 
actually getting there is things around chemicals and is around agriculture. So a lot of the big problems they think they can solve there, which will have a lot of uh, benefits towards climate change as well, uh, is, is really in quantum. So there's probably some really interesting things happening in, in that technology sector. I um I actually so those those are all interesting and I don't get a lot of exposure to those types of opportunities but the thing that it's just an interesting question because it actually um, all of that 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 Emerson just painted a picture of is going on meanwhile um, when you take remote work and you walk it out in this kind of future world um, you know there's no difference between somebody that's a, that used to be a local farmer and somebody that you know is in is in New York for for some of these jobs. Um, if you inter introduce um, XR, you know, and, and the tools that we're building inside of that, it only gets that distance only, you know, closes up more. So um, I think we're going to see a, a lot of people that choose, uh, you know, we're going to see a bifurcation between lifestyle choices and, and opportunity choices, um, where historically, you know, we've seen those, those really have a substantial impact on each other. Um, you know, either I'm making a choice for an opportunity and therefore it's impacting my lifestyle, or I'm making a lifestyle choice, and therefore it's impacting my opportunity. And I think that that bifurcation is something that's going to be really interesting to watch over time. And so, um, you know, we could have local farmers that are operating as as you know, um, uh, tel te you know, um, tele telecom technicians um, from their farm using XR to basically remote remote in, be a remote expert in, um, or or to you know to do to run autonomous. Um, um, agents, you know, drones or vehicles or other things, you know, to help provide services somewhere else. So um, even the, even that somebody who was historically, you know, uh, focused on on something like farming, um, you know, it, we, I think we're going to see a, a broad uh, ch change of that spectrum, um, you know, over the same you know same next couple of years, or you know, at least at least have optionality, right? Like it's. It's no longer it's no longer polarized, you know. That it's, it, it becomes a choice. And hopefully, there's some technology to help me keep my plants alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gardening is gardening is big right now, man. Uh, I want I want the methane reducing thing because I'm tired of all the vegetarians telling me how my <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, so so when that happens, let me know, Emerson. I'll be very to shove that right back in the face. Um. um we have one a question here, which I think I'll, I'll kind of field myself, given uh, the nature, which is how can clinical psychologists get, uh, be prepared for the future of work? Um, so for those who don't know my, my history, actually, um, before I became a financial advisor, um, I actually did family counseling. Um, and so I have a little bit of experience as a clinician, and my girlfriend is currently a clinical psychologist who is doing this all day long, essentially telehealth um, via, you know, just these, whether it's Zoom or whatever other application they're using. Um, you know, it's not that much different, right? You just you set up, if anything, the efficiency is, is better. You can kind of, you know, set people up one after the other. You do lose something, and, and this is kind of a question we never really got to because we're out of time here, but we, we all kind of lose something via Zoom, right? We lose this sort of human uh, feel. And no matter how great we are on Zoom and no matter how you know bubbly our personalities are, having someone sit next to you, that energy is something that you can't exactly replicate. Um, so so I think you know just embrace <laughs> embrace the change for now. And like we've been talking about, I don't think it's an all or none solution in the future. I think it is a having the best of both worlds, what makes the most sense, efficiency. You know, we talked about efficiencies in our job. Like we can, you know, we can have reviews with our clients, you know, 20 at a time if we want to, to create efficiencies where we're, you know, a lot of our people have the same questions or whatever. So, you know, just having a little bit of everything um, will probably be the, the business model of the future. I wanna, I wanna close this. Thank you guys for coming. A really awesome conversation. We could talk about this for hours. Um, I hope everyone goes and take quantum computing class like Emerson has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look into it, but I think I think uh, we all can take this opportunity or this weird time to really learn something or or do something different. Uh, but we'll we'll leave it up with with one last question, which is, what if one thing that you wish the world can come out of with after COVID, 
one positive thing that the world can come out of. What, what will it be? Wow. Uh, you go, Everson, you go. Yeah, uh, go. I think I, I put in a few of mine that I was hoping for. Uh, I sprinkled throughout, but I think one yeah, that I mentioned was just like, you know, we're all in this together. Like, it's so frustrating yeah. how polarized everything has become because the reality is no one wants dead people. No one wants to be stuck in their apartments or houses all day, yeah. you know, across the world. We should, like, this, you know, if I think after 9-11, what a horrible thing, but all of New York banded together and the world banded behind New York, not just the U.S., but the whole world. The tourism actually shot up after. And I just hope we start to see some of that, which we aren't seeing today. It's just so polarized and, you know, nationalistic and, and everything. So I hope we can get back to that kind of, you know, for the sake of humanity, you know, empathize yeah. with one yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think we covered so many things that are kind of a rethink of some of a, the most important structures um, that society really builds upon, right? And we all build our families upon, and we build our, you know, what opportunities that we engage in upon. And and if um, if even if even fifty percent of, of what we talked about here on the call is it gets a little bit of a rethink, um, I mean, you know, we're going to be in a much different place. And so. Um, you know, I, I constantly go back and forth, uh, and Tim, you know this, because we talk about the markets, and I constantly go back and forth between how crazy some of the valuations are and the actual fact that if we actually put new structures under some of the things that we're talking about, how explosive that would be for growth. And so, you know, we're sitting here at this moment where, you know, um, a lot of um, prediction has done, been done over the last, you know, 15 years around digital transformation and some of these topics. And... But nobody predicted, you know, to say that we can almost, you know, guarantee that it's going to have happened inside of, you know, a very short window of time. So the economic effects of that are are, are like anybody's guess. And I just hope that as that plays out, that we find out a way um, to distribute the opportunity, um, you know, more broadly, and that we don't end up with, you know, uh, a few centers of, of you know, uh, those that get to benefit from from all that, and then the rest of the world, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to make do. Um, and so that's that's the that's to me what's kind of at risk here is is if we don't have the conversation that Emerson's talking about, and you know, um, that's the way it's going to play, right? Because the people that are making these decisions and building this infrastructure, like we're all going to benefit already. It's now it's just a question of how do we get everybody else on board with that. And how do we distribute that properly? And some of the structures that are politically in play right now are not helping, right? And so we got to figure out how um, to overcome those problems, you know, uh, because I think on the backside of it is, it is really a, a very interesting, you know, uh, new day, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome, we guys. Educational divide, by the way, on top of that, like the educational divide in our world is just insane. And, and I only hope that we come out of this not with the worst educational gap, but hopefully a better one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so thank you guys so much. Yeah, fascinating conversation, guys. Really appreciate it coming on. Yeah. I'm going to keep following you guys. We keep talking. We'll do this. Hopefully the next one will be in person. Yeah. Hopefully it will be yeah. in yeah. <laughs> All right. Totally. Stay safe. So, Stay soon, guys. Uh, right. Emerson, Thanks, guys. You guys, if you have any questions, reach out to us. I grew up with Kawasaki. I'm Sam. I grew up with Kawasaki. I grew up with Kawasaki. Let us know if you need anything.